Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build Your Network, episode 139. Hey everyone, it's Drew Manning, founder of Fit to Fat to Fit. And if you want to learn how to maintain a healthy lifestyle and fitness in your relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, if you have not done this already, please go ahead and schedule a quick chat with me. I would love to talk with you sometime just for 10 or 15 minutes over the phone. Um, head on over to buildyournetwork.co forward slash FB. And in the pinned welcome post in the top of my Facebook group, you'll see a link that goes directly to my calendar. And there you can schedule a quick chat. I'd love to talk with you sometime. So I'll catch you there or I'll catch you in the Facebook group. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Drew Manning. Drew is the New York Times bestselling author of the book, Fit to Fat to Fit, and is best known for his Fit to Fat to Fit.com experiment that went viral online. He's been featured on shows like Dr. Oz, Good Morning America, The View, and many, many more. His experiment has since become a hit TV show called Fit to Fat to Fit, airing on A&E and Lifetime. Drew also has a very successful podcast called The Fit to Fat to Fit Experience and has recently reached over 1 million downloads. Since his self-experiment went viral, Drew has helped thousands of people learn to live a healthy lifestyle and completely transform their lives. Drew, 
Welcome to the show, man. Super, super stoked to have you on. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what you're most excited about right now? Yeah, thanks, Travis. I appreciate that. So you just mentioned that I had uh, my first book, Fit to Fight to Fit, which was a New York Times bestseller. I'm actually uh, in the process of writing book number two, which will be released early 2019. So it's been a long time coming, but I'm super excited about it. And then finishing building a house. <laughs> so oh, man. those two things combined, uh, really excited about. Tell me about your book writing experience, man. How was that? Are, are you the kind of guy that's like, hey, I got to go deep in the jungle, disconnect everything and be by myself for 30 days? Or is it like, hey, use some ghostwriters, use this copywriter here? Like, what does that look like for you? I wish I could do the deep in the jungle approach, but <laughs> I, have, I have kids. And so <laughs> it's, not, it's not doable for me. Yeah. So yes, I do have a ghostwriter. Okay. It makes life so much easier because if, if that was my only business that I ran, then yes, I could probably right. pull something like that off. But it's mm -hmm. one many businesses that I'm focusing on. Yeah, totally, totally. So let's go ahead and jump right into this story, man, because it's a really fascinating thing here. I actually got introduced to this because I interviewed a mutual friend of ours, Felicia Romero. And I saw it was an intriguing part of her bio. I was like, fit to fat to fit. That's interesting sounding. I was like, what is that? And I went to do some research and I found all your stuff. I've been following you ever since because I've been on my own fitness kick recently. I went on a similar journey to you, except mine was on accident. <laughs> so <laughs> I played basketball my entire life. You know, I was always like super fit, athletic, did all the you know sports and everything like that. And then I got injured my junior year of college, couldn't play basketball anymore. And then I got married like six months after that. And my wife started cooking all this good food. I was no longer doing sprints for like two hours every night, you know? And man, I gained like 60 pounds in the matter of like a year or so. But like I said, completely on accident. So you actually did this on purpose. Walk us through that process and talk to us about like, why? Like, yeah. why would you do this to your body? Why did you do it to yourself? Yeah. Most people want to know why. And here's the thing. Most people can relate to you and your story. A lot of people do it on accident. So like, <laughs> I've heard that before. Why would I want to do this? It was mostly because I grew up my entire life in shape, right? So I grew up in a family of 11 brothers and sisters. I played football and wrestling from a very young age. And for me, being fit and in shape was very easy. I never struggled with being overweight or, or food cravings. And here I was, I became a personal trainer in 2009, trying to train people who are overweight, telling them, look, here's your meal plans, here's your workouts. It's simple. You just follow it and you'll see results. And mm -hmm. they would struggle right, to follow yeah. the meal plans and they would give in to their temptations and drink soda. And I'm like, why don't you just stop doing that and just follow the meal plans? Because it's super easy. You're going to see the results. And so they would tell me, Andrew, you don't understand what it's like. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I don't. So I was thinking of ideas of how I could better relate to my clients. And for whatever reason, this idea kind of popped up in my head. It was like one of those light, lightning bolt moments. It kind of just like, boom, hit me. And I'm like, wow, I think I'm really going to do this. <laughs> and so I even Googled to see if someone had done this on purpose before and no one had. And so I was like, okay, I think I'm really going to do this. And so I started planning it out and, and ran with it. And now here we are today with the whole brand. And it's been seven years later with a lot of Valuable lessons learned. It was a very humbling process, way harder than I thought it would be. And that's kind of what my book goes into, the lessons that I learned and how it changed my perspective of helping people transform. Yeah. What did your wife have to say about that when you were like, Hey, babe, I know that you married me and I was super fit and I've always been like that and I'm a trainer, but I'm going to get really fat for a while. How did that conversation go down? So it was actually interesting because she was pregnant with her first <laughs> Okay, So she was like, so you're going to tell me we're going to have cookies and donuts in the house and all these. <laughs> She's like, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Plus, no, no convincing necessary. Exactly. Plus I was more of the health nut in the relationship. And so okay. she was like, okay, fine. We're finally going to have a break from all this healthy food. So in a way she was definitely supportive of it. But if you read chapter three of my book, 
is her chapter and she hated it by the end. <laughs> really? Okay. What did that kind of put a strain on your guys' relationship as far as like you staying dedicated to being that way? Did it affect like your energy levels? How was that playing into the relationship? It did, but not, not how you would expect it to. It wasn't so much she was disgusted by my body or she... That didn't affect her at all because she loved me for not just my body. Of course. Uh, it was more so how I changed. My personality changed. My energy levels changed. I complained a lot. I was sick a lot. I uh, couldn't help out around the house as much or help out with the kids. And so she was like, look, you're doing this on purpose, but it still needs you to perform. It still needs you to do your job. And, and I struggled. And so it, it definitely affected our, our relationship. And she's pretty brutally honest about that in the book. And so... So how much weight did you gain in how long of a time and how did you do it? So six months, it took me to gain 76 pounds. So I kind of put a, a time limit wow. on how much ever weight I gained in six months. I thought I was going to gain 50 to 60, ended up gaining 76 pounds and I stopped exercising. So I couldn't exercise for six months. So it wasn't like a bodybuilder bulking phase, you know, right, where I right. ate a lot, but also lifted a lot. I didn't exercise once and ate an unrestricted diet. So I ate a lot of highly processed American foods that we love, things like white bread and white pasta and sugary cereal and sodas and juices and granola bars and chips and cookies and crackers. And probably ate, you know, around four to 5,000 calories a day of this food. Just wow. it adds up really quickly and Doritos and Hot Pockets and mac and cheese and, <laughs> you know, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, those types the of good foods. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> those types of foods on the daily for six months was not healthy, but like I said, it was very humbling and I learned a lot of valuable lessons during the process. What was like the most surprising part to you as far as like, what was the most difficult parts about like being overweight that you just weren't kind of, that you just completely off your radar didn't even think about? So there was two aspects to that. One was the physical, physical surprises and then the mental and emotional surprises. So physically, I was not expecting to, for example, having to hold my breath to go down and clip my toenails. <laughs> I had never experienced that before. Like, you know, clip, 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 and then come up for air because I couldn't breathe and go back down. Yeah. And then putting my shoes on, uh, chafing became an issue that I was not prepared for. And so from a physical perspective, there were some things that I definitely didn't know would happen. And then on yeah. the mental and emotional side, I was so surprised at how this affected me going out in public. Like I wanted to go up to strangers, mm -hmm. tell them, hey, I'm not really overweight. This is my before picture. Go to this website. It's just an experiment. Uh, this isn't me. Like I freaked right. out because my identity was based on what my body looks like. And when I was overweight, I didn't know who I was and mm -hmm. I freaked out. So I quickly realized how much of transformation is mental and emotional more so than just physical. And that's where the biggest lessons were learned. Yeah. And, and I was laughing because I completely know exactly what you're talking about. Those things you just don't even think about, like just bending over to like take your, like to put your socks on or something like that. Like you can't stand up and put your socks on. You have to like sit down. It's like a task. It's like a whole, like you're thinking like, man, I hope it's not hot in here because like, I'm going to start sweating to put my socks on in a second. <laughs> or like when I was that, when I got you know, 50, 60 pounds overweight. I was, we lived in a two story house. So it was just to the point where like, man, I left my phone upstairs. Nah, I don't need my phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, that's way too much effort to like go all the way up the stairs and grab my phone and come back down. Like, yeah, I'm laughing because I completely understand what you're talking about. I want to ask you this question because this is something that really affected me when I was overweight. I just didn't honestly I just didn't even realize that it was happening. Just kind of looked in the mirror one day and was like, wow, you're kind of big. And then I went to buy some pants and I had to buy a, a size 38 waist. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't just didn't even realize that it, it was happening. You know, So this is one thing that really played into that a lot. And I'm curious to know your answer to it. How does confidence, in your opinion, play into success in life in general, not just fitness? And then what kind of effect did being overweight have on your confidence level? 
It's a great question. For me, I say this all the time that there's nothing sexier than confidence. And I truly believe that. So here's the thing. And this is the reason I'm saying this and I'll tie this into a business perspective as well is even though back when I was fit before this journey, I was so obsessed with having to look good. And I was so concerned about what my my body looked like. Because like I said before, that was my identity. And even still, I wasn't confident. I was, I could be confident on the outside, but inside I was so self-conscious, even Mm -hmm. still, even with like my 8% body fat, people would have, you know, killed to have my body. I still was super judgmental and was never happy with my body. I was like, I'm never good enough. And that's what a lot of people in the fitness industry, fitness models and physique competitors suffer from this as well, because they never feel like they're good enough. Even they walk around at 5% body fat, they're always comparing themselves to other people. Mm -hmm. And that rubs off and people are aware of that. Fast forward to when I was fat, Obviously, you can imagine how this affected my self-esteem and my confidence. Like I said, I freaked out in public. I didn't want people to really think I was overweight. I was so concerned about what other people thought of me. Right. And that kind of stuff, it, people are aware of that. And people, if they can sense that in you, they know you're not a confident person. And like I said, there's nothing sexier than confidence, not just from a sexual, physical perspective, but in business as well. People want someone that can perform that, that is confident in who they are. And mm-hmm it sucks to be that person to have to be like, Oh no, you're, you look great. You're beautiful. You're smart. Like, but then if that person doesn't believe you, it's, you can't keep telling them it gets annoying. Exactly. Exactly. You're You're smart. You're awesome. Like, come on, get that through your head. But people have to believe it themselves. And so for me, it was very interesting how, even when I got back to fit, even though my body looked looked just the same inside, it was a different man. And I was not as obsessed. And I realized that we're more than our bodies. We have more to offer this world than our bodies. And so if someone has that confidence, not cockiness, but confidence in themselves, that's one of the most attractive things in the human, in my opinion, male or female. And people want to be around those types of people. You know, they can sense that. You can fake it, but people know it's fake. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Or it comes off as arrogance and being cocky. That's to me the difference between faking confidence and having real confidence is that when you're faking confidence, it's like, oh, look at me, look how good I am. And it just is like total arrogance and it's not the same thing. So totally agree with you on that. Now moving forward. So now you're 75, 76 pounds overweight. So I asked you how you put on the weight, but I think most people know how to do that and me being one of them. So now bring the, the bulk of the content to the table and how... How were you able to then get that weight off? Yeah. So and how long did it take? Yeah. So I had a strategy for all this and I put it on my website so people could follow me during my journey so they could see what was happening every single day. So I documented the whole journey back to fit. It took me six months to lose the weight. The first month I skipped exercise. I just switched up my diet because I knew you know, there's a possibility of injuring myself and I wanted to focus on nutrition because that's honestly the most important thing when it comes to transformation more so than exercise. So I skipped exercise for the first 30 days, went from eating 5,000 calories of processed food to 2,000 calories of, you know, real whole food. And that's where I saw the biggest change, the biggest difference in just those first 30 days. Mm-hmm. Eventually I did bring in exercise. It was strategic the way I did. It was mostly bodyweight exercises the first month back, nothing too strenuous, nothing too heavy a lot of stretching, a lot of core work. But I only worked out five days a week for 30 to 40 minutes per day. And that surprised a lot of people because people are like, oh yeah, you're a personal trainer. You'll work out two, three times a day. You'll eat a low calorie diet, thousand calories and boom, you'll be ripped and shredded in no time. I'm like, no, that's not sustainable as a lifestyle. Here's what I'm going to do every day for six months and you can follow me. So I posted that on my website, my YouTube channel, and people followed me on that journey. And it wasn't perfect. I hit plateaus. I gained weight certain weeks, even though I was a trainer. And I'm like, okay, this is, I'm doing everything right as a trainer, but yet I still am struggling. And that's what helped me 
relate to my clients and made me relatable to people as well. People are like, man, this is what I go through too. And this guy is a trainer and he's going through that as well. Right. Okay. That may help. That gives me hope. So this, this is the, this is the part of the story that I love the best and why I wanted you to talk about it for a second, because like you said, you could have done that. You could have gone on an extreme diet. I mean, you're a trainer, you've had the past to look back on and say, look, I know how to do this. Let me just do it. And you could have gone and done like two a days and put in an hour and a half, two hour training sessions and like gotten off quick, 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 quick. But exactly what you said, and this is what I found through my weight loss journey, obviously not as extreme as yours, but way more on accident than, than yours was that there's no magic diet. There's no magic pill. And, and even if you do those things, they might even work for that period of time, but you cannot sustain a lifestyle like three hours a day in the gym and you know this supplement and that supplement and a thousand calorie a day diet. Like It's not something that you can just like do for the rest of your life. It's not... If you're not a personal trainer, if your job is not a gym-related job, like you can't do those things, right? So this is what I love the best about it because you took the time to say, hey, look, I'm going to have some patience to get this weight off. And I'm going to let go of some of these things. But I want to show you that it can be done in a really sustainable let's make this your lifestyle kind of way. So when you started, when you first started getting back into the nutrition thing, because this is the thing that would scare me the most about doing something like what you did. The thing that would scare me the most about that is I feel like I would almost start getting addicted to those foods again. And it would be like, because I know how difficult it was for me to let go of some of that stuff and how difficult it was for me to like change that part of my lifestyle. Was it difficult for you to give up like those different foods and drinks that you were taking in at the time? Yeah, that's a great question. So, and this was one of the other most valuable lessons I learned was how powerful the emotional connection to food really is. Whereas before I looked at it as a lack of willpower, food is just fuel. You just stop eating the junk food, right? Well, after living this way for only six months, I struggled with food addiction and I struggled with that emotional connection to food. I remember how good, I remember how good <laughs> Cinnamon Toast Crunch made me feel or Mountain Dew made me feel. There were so many amazing foods that my body craved. And those first two weeks back to fit, the first two weeks back were intense. I felt like I was going through these crazy withdrawal symptoms. My body, I was grumpy, was moody. I had a headache every day. And here I was, a proponent of eating healthy food. And I, yet I felt miserable. The food tasted horrible. I was hungry all the time. And I'm like, this sucks. And clicked in my brain. This is what my clients have been telling me. You know, This is why they struggle to follow the meal plans that I give them was because of that emotional connection to food. And I only lived this way for six months. Imagine someone that's been eating this way for six years or six decades, and now you're, you're trying to say, okay, no more cereal, and now you're switching over to vegetables. It's really hard. And I can empathize a lot more with people that struggle with that addiction. And it really opened up my eyes to just how wrong I was about transformation. So now when you work with new clients, do you do anything different with them? Like, are you like, Hey, look, don't just like completely cut this out of your life. Let's start like phasing back. Like let's, you know, make this incremental steps. What does that look like? Yeah. So first of all, I don't train clients one-on-one anymore. I don't train them one-on-one, but my big focus now is on the mental and emotional side. So yes, physical, the meal plans and the workouts are a part of transformation. I think people know that, but I give them the tools to be successful so that they can overcome their own mental and emotional challenges. So yes, we do give them physical programs, meal plans, workouts, but on top of that, they have these tools on the mental and emotional side so they can make it a lifestyle change. So for example, we put them into a private Facebook group where they can be surrounded by like-minded people that are going through the same struggles. And it's a safe place to share their journey. It's a safe place to post about, you know, ask questions and post their meals and their weigh-ins and their, their struggles. And people are there to support them and lift them up, but also give them a kick in the butt every once in a while. And it's that accountability and support system that I found makes the biggest difference in people's lives when they're trying to make a transformation versus if they're just like, all right, I'm going to willpower my way through this and just push through it by myself. 
it's really hard because you have no one to stay accountable to, no one to make sure that you're pushing yourself and doing the hard things. But if you're like surrounded by these people that are going through the same struggles, sometimes you're there to lift them up. And that's really empowering. And it's really powerful community. So those are some of the things that we focus on nowadays with my programs, even though they're all digital, they're all online, you can be added to the support group where you receive that empathy, that respect, and that love that you need to make it a true lifestyle change. Yeah, that's I love so much about what you're doing because now you didn't just like do it and then like post a bunch of stuff online and then be like, all right, now do what I did. It was like, (laughs) how was I able to stop drinking Mountain Dew? Like you said, you love so much, like your drug of choice, right? How was I able to give those things up? And the only way that you said you're able to, I was listening to some other interviews that you did was through that accountability, through knowing that like, hey, look, there's a bunch of people following this right now. And if I do this, then it's going to, you know, affect to the way that they're able to do what they're trying to do and, and the goals that they're trying to reach. And that was eventually the thing that allowed you to get back on track and, and back to the way that you you know were used to living. So now that you're back to being fit and it's been that way for a while, do you find yourself craving any of that other stuff anymore? Or was that like once it was gone, it was gone, you don't really think about it? There are some things that will still be on my craving list, if you will, that I pass yeah. the grocery store. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is one of those things where if I have it, I'm going to eat a whole box. Or same thing with Girl Scout cookies, Samoa, the Samoa Girl Scout cookies. I can't have those in my house. So the cravings will always be there. And that's what I tell people all the time. Don't expect to magically transform and be like, oh, this is disgusting. I I hate this junk food. Your body most likely will probably still crave it because you remember those feelings. Sometimes it's sentimental. It's your grandma's favorite pie. Whatever it is, we all have those triggers because we grew up in this civilization, this society where we have treats for every birthday party and holiday and Friday and, you know, every (laughs) celebration. Yeah, there's a celebration for everything. You can find an excuse to party anytime you want. So we live in this society. So don't expect them to go away, but you know how to manage them throughout your life so that you have that happy balance of like, okay, I can have this every once in a while, but not beat myself up over it. Perfect, man. Let's go ahead and shift the conversation here. Talk a little bit about networking. This is the Build Your Network podcast. And this is a topic that I think that you'll probably have a lot to say about just because of what you did, because of the extreme that you went to in order to better help the clients that you have, you were able to get on some really big publications, some TV shows, all that kind of stuff. Can you talk about how networking with the right people helps you land shows, spots, stuff like that, but also how Mm -hmm. leveraging those brands and other people's influence allows you to be able to create the business that you have today? Yeah, that's a great question. So just so everyone knows, you know, Fit to Fit started seven years ago and it's come in waves and different phases of networking and growing. So for example, when my story went viral, a lot of it was luck, but I did put in the work to create press releases and reach out to producers and try and contact people and say, Hey, would you be interested in interviewing me? So I put in the work and then from there it grew organically from the local news here in Utah to other bloggers over the world to all of a sudden yahoo.com picked it up. And then from there, TV shows started calling. And then from there, getting to know certain producers and being invited to shows like The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, which is the first show I went on, Dr. Drew, Dr. Oz, Good Morning America, The View. I can't say so much that that was because of my effort. It was more so technology, social media, the word spreading that way. But then that was the first phase of how I got like the book deal and how my brand grew. From there, I got to know some production team in LA to create a TV show, got to know some people in the TV industry. And from there, been able to network and do some cool podcasts, do some cool collaborations with other celebrities that have sometimes have nothing to do with health and fitness, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Just networking has to be nonstop. Like it really does have to be nonstop. It's not like, it's kind of like fitness. It's not like, 
all of a sudden, Hey, I've arrived. I'm done. I don't need to network anymore. Right. Networking is nonstop to continue to grow your brand. Cause here we are seven years later, my brand is way more powerful than it ever was even when I was doing all those TV shows. And that's from a consistent effort in networking, going to mastermind events, doing speaking engagements as many as I can, doing podcasts as many as I can, and growing my audience this way and being open to new things where before I'd be like, oh, I'm too busy or no, I'm not getting paid to do that. So I'm not going to do it. And so for me, I've just stayed consistent and hustling in that sense of networking with as many people as possible. And you never know where that's going to land you or who's going to have that connection to you know connect the dots with some of that you've never imagined. You know, that you would meet. That's the point right there, though, is that this is why I feel that most people don't do this. Most people don't spend time on this. And if they do, it's a very, very minimal amount. Most people don't spend money on this kind of stuff because it is Mm -hmm. the unknown, because of exactly what you just said. You never know. So because you never know, people can't look at it and be like, here's the definite result that I'm going to get from this, right? Here's the ROI on this money that I'm going to spend on this mastermind weekend. Here's the ROI on this event that I'm going to go to and take time away from my business to go to. They don't see that. It is the not known that prevents them from being able to do it. And the thing that I always tell those people is like, look, trust me, just do it like one time. Like go out and do it. Do it. Just take one year where you're like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to put a bunch of time. I'm going to take dedicated time away from my business, dedicated money from my budget and put it towards networking, building relationships. Experience the power of that one time. You'll never go back because like you said, you never know, but it's always something bigger than I think. Typically, I shouldn't use an absolute and say always, but typically it's something where it's like, man, if I can get this one thing, I might be able to do this. And then like something way bigger than that comes up. I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? But it's because I took the time and dedicated time on purpose to continuously be evolving relationships with people because that's the bottom line is no matter what business you're in, you're in the people business. And the more people that you know, the more hands you shake, the more money you make. And as long as you do it from a, a place of being really genuine and actually caring about people. Yeah, that's a good point. So this is a question I ask every single guest that comes on the show, Drew. I'm curious to hear your answer. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? I would say who you know, because the knowledge can be obtained later on. The what, right? What you know. And here's the thing. Nobody cares how much you know anyways until they know how much you care. That's something I live by with Fit to Fat to Fit. You could have all the knowledge in the world, but that doesn't mean people are going to come to you and follow your message. Right. More so who you know. And if you don't have the knowledge yet, it's the people, it's the who you knows. <laughs> Sounds weird saying that. Yeah, yeah. They're going to point you in the right direction of like, oh, what do you need to learn? Okay, I have someone so that can help hey, you build a mastermind or someone that can help you build a podcast or whatever you're looking to do. It's those connections. And that's the most powerful thing that's helped my brand grow year after year. Yeah, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer to that question. I ask a bunch of people and they always tell me different things, but that would be my opinion. Like you hit the nail on the head with that one is that the who have the what. So like the way that I look at it, this is the way that I try to explain it a lot is like, I imagine networking in the same way that like, if you go to an amusement park and your friends go get in line, but you got to hit the bathroom first and then you hit the bathroom and then you come back and your friends are like 20 people up in line. Right. So they go, Hey, Drew, come up here, stand in line with us. Right. Because you're a friend. So you get to walk past all those people that are standing in line because the people that you know have stood in the spots that those people have stood in. Right. So you can do it both ways. Right. Like you can just go book after book after book, course after course after course, failure after failure after failure, and learn as much as you can and gain as much what as you possibly can. But that who is always going to exponentially increase that what every single time. That's how I kind of look at it is like, hey, you meet somebody that's already done what you want to do, that's already stood in those 
places in line already stepped those same steps, they can call you up and you can pass up all the people that are standing in line waiting to get to the point where you can like zoom up to. So that's 100% exactly agree with that. So there's a lot of a lot of stuff that we can talk about here. I know that we're kind of pressed for time. So let's go ahead and move on to the last segment here, something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Mm-hmm. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? <laughs> Let's see. Something in major league sports, either NBA or NFL, not a referee, maybe someone behind the scenes, like maybe like an assistant coach. <laughs> there you go. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? I would say, I'll just throw it out there because like, the celebrities come to mind, but I'll say The Rock. He's just so engaging and such has such a relatable story. I would love to sit down with him and get to know him more. He's at the tippy top of my list, man, for sure. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? Audiobooks and or podcasts. It's a close tie. What is an audiobook that you would recommend to the audience? Some One of the most impactful books for me has been Brene Brown's Daring Greatly, which helped me as a man embrace vulnerability as a strength and owning my story and not being defined by my past. And that's really helped me to be authentically who I am and love who I am. And I know it sounds weird, but honestly, that's what's taken my business to the whole nother level is embracing vulnerability and owning my story. And that's been huge for me on a personal level, but also even for business. What was the title of that book one more time? Daring Greatly. Daring Greatly. Greatly. Yeah, by Brene Brown. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Meditation, lots of water, coffee, and sometimes ketones, exogenous ketone supplementation. And then (laughs) when I have my girls, I have them every other week. I make them breakfast and get them off to school or whatever. And then it's gym time. And then from there, that's when my day starts is after I come back and eat and shower. Curious, how much hydration and do you add fats to your coffee to like, you know, slow down the timing of the caffeine or anything like that? I do. I'm a big fan of MCT oil powder, which is easier on my stomach and adds a creamy texture to the coffee. So I don't do as much fat as I used to. I'll probably do maybe five, five grams or so of MCT oil powder, which is, is perfect for me as what I've found. So yeah. Okay. And then how much hydration, how, like how much water in the morning? That's a good question. I would say at least probably 30 ounces with either, okay. yeah, either with a squeeze of lemon or sometimes it's just, uh, I'll take like a quarter teaspoon of salt and then chug the water afterwards. Got it. Just for the excess minerals and stuff. Exactly. Because for me, hydration is more so about balancing out your electrolytes than it is just chugging a bunch of water. Okay. So if you have like alkaline water that's full of like the alkaline minerals and stuff like that, it'd be yeah. something similar to that, right? Yeah, that would be fun. Okay. What is your go-to pump-up song? <laughs> I had just posted about this a little while ago. It's called, I listen to sometimes like dubstep type music, which is funny. Excision, execute, or I think is what it's called. Execute. Yes. Execute. Yeah. Look it up. It's a great one. If you have like, execute. like one last set you want to go hard on. <laughs> it's awesome. What is something that you are just not very good at? Golf and bowling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The yeah. eternal struggle. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> As we get everything wrapped up here, man, what is one place online where we will be able to find you the most? Super simple. Just fit number two, fat number two, fit.com. And that's all my branding, social media and website and book and podcasts and TV show. 
So anything you want to find more on Drew, just go type into Google fit to fat to fit. Everything will pop up social media profiles, his website, the book, the podcast, so much great content to consume. Look, if you are in business and your health isn't your number one thing, then you need to take a second look at your priorities. I am a prime example of what that looks like. So take my word for it. Don't wait until you put on the 76 pounds like Drew did. Put your health as a priority. Follow Drew, follow his stuff. So much great content. Drew, thanks so much for coming to the show today, man. I seriously had a blast talking with you. Thanks, Travis. Thanks for having me on. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.